You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 266, brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service and iFanboy listeners like you. First time in the backyard, underneath the plastic sheeting. Outside it was pouring, and we were drunk as shit. Next time at a party, when all our friends were there, there is nothing like their mattresses underneath the stairs. Third time in a doorway, lights all on Hello and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 266. I'm Josh Flanagan, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. I don't remember how to do this. <laughs> right. And Is this where I talk? <laughs> Roan Roan Richard. Welcome to 2011. I forgot we did this. <laughs> it's been like 3 weeks. Yeah, I know. We, we took a to might have taken a little too long off. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, "When are you going to talk about that book?" We're off that week. <laughs> but does that mean you're not going to talk about that book? No, we're off. Yeah, it does. At iFam- yeah, we're going to do three weeks worth right now. We're not. At iFanboy.com, we like comics. We read comics. Every week, there are many of them, as you probably know if you read comic books. And then one of us picks the best one that they – the one that one, the one that spoke to them. And they call that the pick of the week. They write up about it on the website, and then we come here. We talk about that on the podcast. We do that first. Then we talk about the other books and then some stuff, depending on how much time is left over from the stuff, the, the previous stuff. Before we get to the show – if somebody's new, somebody you're out there, you got yourself your first computer. <laughs> which what does this very, thing do? Yeah, and you're like, and that you just happen to end up like uh, I fanboy. That's, you know, because you were looking in comic talk. You were looking for like an Apple show, and you ended up with this. And you're like, the hell's this shit? Uh, <laughs> hey, it makes our URL valuable. Uh, there will be spoilers, is what I was going to get to. So we're talking about the stuff that happened in the book. Therefore, if you have not read the books, it would behoove you to come back later after you have, or fuck it. Yeah, just roll with it. That's what I'm saying. Live on the edge. Here's the thing. Uh, When I went to the site and I looked for the pick of the week, I I read through about half of it and I thought, hey, Connor didn't write this. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'll be honest. I was as surprised as you guys were. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, except I did that three times. (laughs) Right, right, right. Ron wrote this. And then I did it the next day. (laughs) So the pick of the week this week, the first one of 2011, easing into the... Sixth year five fanboy podcasts, right? Yeah. Or we're in year number five. I got. I, mean, I don't know. Who knows? But I figured let's let's start with a wild card, and I went with Starman Congorilla number one from DC Comics, uh, written by James Robinson, drawn by Brett Booth, and I'll be honest with you, it was a strange journey this week to get to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, because okay, so I'll lay it out for you. I get to the comic book store. I didn't know this book existed. I didn't see it in the solicits. I didn't see it on the pull list. I just kind of was on autopilot. Like I knew DC was doing. Is it a fifth week event or was it just this week or what is it? All I know, the shelves were pretty. Yeah, yeah. well, because well, they had I was that. Like, Ooh. They had that. Uh, so it was one of those things where DC decides to. Um, uh, oh, it's all ch- month. They're doing it all month. Yeah, they're doing it all month. Cool. So they're changing all their. Um, uh, not changing, but they're doing a cover treatment, which is just the logo of the book and the the main character of the book on the cover, and it's it's very nice, very aesthetically pleasing, very minimalist, very cool. Uh, how. They ended up with Starman Congorilla getting a one-shot out of that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what dirt James Robinson has on Dan DiDio. I don't know, like, what, or Bob Harris, or who knows. Um, but, for some reason, ripped from the pages of Justice League of America and Cry for Justice, here we are with James Robinson writing 
Starman, and that's the Michael Thomas, the blueskin Starman, and Kongorilla. Two characters that you know from his inclusion of them in Cry for Justice and then leading into his run in Justice League of America, he is desperately dying to write. Yeah, he loves these characters. He loves these characters. And the thing is, is that in the pages of Justice League of America, there's no room for him to breathe while writing them. Now, now, one of the things we know about James Robinson is that the Justice League of America has been a rough. It's been a rough read this past year. It's been a little bit bagley on pencils. It's been. It hasn't been the 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 pinnacle of the that's that book storied run. Um, I'm going to say for, go, I'm, I'm, for longer. Good. Yeah, I'm going to go for ten years. Well, all right. Well, but he's not. Robinson is responsible for the past ten no, years. No, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. No, no, no. But go back to a year ago when we were raving about the Blackest Night uh, Starman issue, the shade that focused on the shade. When Robinson is writing about characters that he, you can tell that he cares about and that he has the room to let them breathe, he does a really good job. Yep. He, well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. He's able to make you uh, feel what these characters are feeling. He's able to put them in situations that uh, play up to their personalities, their strengths, their powers, things like that. And he's able to take you on a journey through the story the way a writer should. And that's what we got here. And when I finished this issue, I laughed because um, – well, first off, the, the other reason – well, the other reason why I bought it was because I – and I, I wrote about this in my review on iFanboy.com. I have an irrational uh, enjoyment of Brett Booth's artwork. I can't explain it. I don't know why. I, I, you know, I let, see, and I thought that Brett Booth, Brett Booth was one of those guys that you hated. I knew there was something no. irrational. Oh, no. I love Who's Brett Booth. the guy you hate? No, uh, you? No, well, that's a long list. <laughs> yeah. He's like an artist or somebody who did some. He worked on Green Lantern, and you hated him. Maybe it was maybe it was Green Arrow. I forget. Ah, oh, I think about like, Green Lantern. I haven't hated an artist in a long time. Nah, maybe it's a writer. I don't yeah. know. There's some guy you hate. Oh, they I know something. who you're talking about. You know who I'm talking about. What? He's like, I hate that guy. Oh, and Ben Rab. Ben Rab. Oh, I hate Ben Rab. Was- He's a writer, <laughs> and he wrote Green Lantern. I hate that guy. Yeah, okay, yeah. That was it. Yeah, he I ruined thought, I it. I, got, I don't know why I got those mixed up. Yeah. Anyway, moment of podcasting brought to you by. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were. I mean, Ben Rab was working around the same time as Brett Booth, so I could see that. Anyway, but um, so so when I got to the store and, and at first I saw the cover and I saw the logo, I'm like, what logo is that? And like, listen, these two characters don't have logos. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> they just came up with this for this issue. The star uh, and C. Yeah, exactly. And then I opened it up and I'm like, oh, it's Brett Booth. I was like, really? Like, I haven't seen Brett Booth do any work for DC ever. Um, and so I, I'm like, yeah, hey, I'll get it. What the hell? It's fun. And so I went home and I read it. And at the end of the issue, I was like, if this was a series, I would buy it. Just the- what's, what's funny is that, like, I saw it and I thought, that's neat. And then I thought, then I did like a mental checklist. I was like, oh, right. Everything has been really bad for two years, so I'm yep. probably going to be disappointed by that, so I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, and, and you missed out, brother. Now, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Connor, were you able to pick it up, or did you not find yeah, it? Actually, went, I went back the next day. There, I have, well, you know, Luckily, I have stores with the walking distance, so I went and picked it up. And did you I like it? I weird walking in and just buying this. <laughs> I'm a really big Congorilla fan. You should have acted really excited. for him to get a special. Because yeah. <laughs> it wasn't my normal shop, so they didn't know who it was. Right. I, it was fun. I mean, I, I you know, I probably didn't love it as much as you did, but it certainly wasn't bad. Well, don't it get was, me wrong. Like, I don't think this is the greatest single issue ever. And like, it, and Lord knows, Robinson is wordy. There was that one page when they finally met up with the gorilla that they were wanting to meet up with. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about it, and you can definitely see what you mentioned earlier was that he really likes these characters, and it, it had sort of a Wonder Man Beast vibe to it. Yep. In that these are two completely different kind of characters, and they are they're good friends, and they, they play off each other well. You know, there's a lot of James Robinson elements, like he brought in Rex the Wonder Dog, which, yep. sort of like when he did Crypto, 
and bringing back the Tasmanian Devil, which was a nice little twist. I was like, Ooh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then it was, you know. Well, and that was the other thing. I don't know who the Tasmanian Devil is. His resurrection meant nothing to me, but I went with it. You know, like yeah. he, he brought in Animal Man, which was fun. And like there was a lot of humor. Like there was a lot of, you know, like they, Rex had information, but the dog doesn't talk. So they go to Animal Man. He's like, I don't talk to the animals. I just mimic their powers. <laughs> right. You know, like it was just, it was funny. It was like, it, it, was, yeah, like, it, was, a, it was a it was a fun story. That's for sure. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't read Justice League. It, this is nominally spinning out of the current arc, I guess. Yeah, somewhat. So it's happening to the side of the current arc, and I didn't have a problem following yeah. the story. So. No, uh, yeah, there, there was stuff that I didn't know what the references were or what it was about, but it was like, I, I rolled with it. It was good. Yep. And art-wise, like, Brett Booth is Brett Booth, and he is what he is, and, you know, it's definitely that late 90s kind of Wildstorm style, but I still loved it. And did you see on the third page, in the upper right-hand corner, one of the uh, Gorilla Commandos has a grifter mask on? I didn't. I did not. See yeah. That. So I was like, "All right, that's cool." <laughs> All right, fair enough. And he show, and he shows up later on in the issue too. Like he keep like he's just like he just kept that guy as a character. But yeah, so I don't know. It was just it was fun. It had it had gorillas fighting, you know, shooting guns and and a lot of action. And you got Starman and you got emotion and you got you know like kind of character moments. And at the end of my stack, which was I had a lot of good stuff. This was the one where I'm like, you know, this is a lot of fun that I didn't expect that I didn't see coming. It wasn't like a huge week of fantastic books. It was one of those weird small weeks. So I wasn't surprised that there was sort of the Ron Richard patented wild card. <laughs> well, it's, it happens sometimes. I can't control it. I wouldn't say it's patented, though. No? No. It's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a card in the deck. You know, right. like it could happen. Wild card. No, I had no problem when I finished reading it. I was like, that was fun. Yeah. But if I was doing the pick of the week purely on art alone, I, I probably every issue I would give to Avengers Children's Crusade. Because I love Jimmy Chung. Oh, I've been loving this whole series. Yeah. It's uh, pretty good. Yeah, issue issue number four came out, and I just want Jimmy Chung to draw Magneto all the time. I did go and look it up. I was like, wait, Qu- Quicksilver can't vibrate through a double. Yes, he can. Yeah, look he at can. that. Yeah. All right. You thought, it was, you thought they were ripping off the Flash, weren't you? If I, you know what? What's funny is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like Ron right now. If I had any problem with this, it was that this is, this is like not an incontinuity story. Or it, like I just, <laughs> no, I just couldn't remember. Yeah. Because like it felt like they were touching on some stuff that was really happening. And, and like they're dealing with where Wanda's been. There, there, was, there was a reference to stuff that's happening now. Yes, and, and I got really confused because I couldn't remember what I had read and what I hadn't, and if it does matter. It, like, Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was with Wonder Man. Me? It was with Wonder Man when, that, when yeah. Wonder Man said, yeah. contacting the Avengers. They're like, oh, you think you need us now? And like, that was a direct reference to the Avengers and Bendis. Right. Yeah. yeah, Right, and I, I'm just not following it enough that I could remember. And, and it wasn't that – I just wanted to know. I was like, well, wait, is this going to reflect later in Avengers? Because that's kind of interesting. I don't care if it does or not, but I want right. to know one way or the other, I suppose. It won't. I'm, yeah. Well, the thing is, it's sort of yes and no. I mean, I'm sure whatever yes. happens with Wanda will, but at the same time, this is in its own bubble. Yeah. What was in? Is that the closet? What is in the? We where, don't know where, what's in the closet. We just we still we'll haven't had that solved. The closet. Not the closet. long ago that was. Every opportunity we talk to Marvel, we need to ask about that. We should have asked at that press conference. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Excuse uh. me. What's in the closet? I almost did. By the way, <laughs> we're, talking about the, we're, we're talking about the fear itself crossover. And as we're sitting there and they're taking questions from the press and literally like in my head, I was like, I should ask what happened in the closet. <laughs> but then I thought, I'm like, I'm just going to get one of those those answers that they make fun of you. Well, they would, they would look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So this was beautiful. We see that Wanda's back. My only problem is, is that I, I don't feel like Heinberg is great and can write a good story. I don't think. And again, this is like what we talked about Bendis what, eight years ago. I don't like the way he writes Wolverine. It, it just didn't feel, you know, didn't feel right. Like that was the other thing. Like, uh, is this the only story that he's been all about killing Wanda? Pretty. Or does that happen well, somewhere else? Yeah, because they haven't really dealt with Wanda. Yeah, they yeah. haven't. Yeah, the only time it's been Wanda. I mean, he 
I reread House of M, you know, relatively recently. He he would certainly want to kill Wanda. Yeah, no, he yeah he got he got after he got after up. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, either way, Jimmy Chung draws a hell of a Wolverine. Oh yeah, it's yeah. great. It's fantastic. Hell and, all of them. Yeah, yeah. The, every, every character and the, so many of the two-page splash pages are just oh, they're amazing. I love that Wolverine just looks small. Like yeah, it's, it's something he does well. Yeah, and uh, at the end of it, we get uh, Iron Lad seems to have returned. Yeah, which means Clang. that Kang can't be far behind. Nice. This yeah. is one of my favorite of the books. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is good. But, but then so is Avengers Prime. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, talk, I, I mean, talk about an art toward the force. Yeah, no, you're not. When I was doing the panels of the week feature this week, there was one point where I thought I could make this an Avengers Prime themed feature because I could have easily have picked six or seven from this book. That one you picked, that (laughs) was the right one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing about these panels is they're actually hard because they're all uh, skewy. Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking that as I walked. Just. It was a tour de force, and it was it was it didn't let down. Like the color in the background of everything changed to that sort of reddish. You know, like the, the the flames of hell were going the whole time, and the you know, yep. and then when 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 the fight was over, everything went back to this pastoral blue and green, and, and like say what you will, but it's cathartic to watch you know those two characters hug at the end. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, it, it 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 and almost so much that I wish this happened in the pages of Avengers. Not that this doesn't matter, but you know what I mean. But no, like, no, but the, it's, yeah. it's 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 not really because it's not really about the Avengers. It's about these three guys. True, yeah, but it, but that's so much. But that's the Avengers story. I mean, yeah, but then they would everybody would have been like, "What are the rest of the Avengers?" Yeah, I know, I know. For five issues, and then, yeah. and also it was taking longer than that. So yeah, I, I, you know, I don't mind totally that. Been, 2010, our overused descriptor was classic. Feels classic. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, and I'm going to use that probably three more times in the show. But this really feels classic. Meeting the elf girl and having a romance with her in the other dimension. I mean, it, it, every little classic Avengers element was in here. Yep. Well, um, and I think that when you talk about like the 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 other dimension thing, that was the nice part about this is that it wasn't in the Avengers book because it was just like it's just a story. Yep. That's happening, and it it does matter, but it doesn't matter to that. It doesn't have. You can just read it on its own. Right. And it, I liked that it was timeless. You know, there was nothing else to. Yeah, you could read this whenever. Out. Yeah, exactly. I, no, it's and it was great for that. Yeah, and it was like Alan it was, Davis. Really? I, no, you're you're not kidding. I no, mean, not only nailed it, but like every issue shipped on time, and it was oh, this is like perfect, early, yeah. perfect. Are you have you finally come around on Alan Davis, Josh? Or yeah, I mean, I, I think for the right kind of story, you know, I think this maybe sometimes he's done stories that I didn't like the, the, the writing so much or like I wasn't into it. But no, I love this. He was perfect for this. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. That's, That's a, a this is the, the cover. Yeah. When this, <laughs> I, I mean, when this, come, when this comes out on hardcover, this is going to be like uh, put on the shelf. Like this is a, a, like you said, a timeless, you know, go, go back and read it and enjoy it like Avengers it's, Forever and that sort of thing. It's, it's definitely one of those things when if people say like, well, what are Avengers stories we should read? Yeah. You know, like this will be like Ooh. Avengers Prime. Just do it. Yep. Just do it. Do Just it. do it. I think I think I marked that as my pick of the week. I don't remember exactly. Out of all of the covers that DC had out this week, and and they're they're attractive. You know, they, a lot of them were that hex cover. That was a good time. That Jonah hex. Well, hex sixty three was my pick of the week, and I was thinking because this is a Jordy Bernay issue, we get a couple. Mm-hmm. We get you know every now and then it happens, and this is nothing against. They have a really f- strong stable of artists on this book. There's a lot of great guys who you don't normally see doing stuff like this. Draw Jonah hex. Mm-hmm. But if DC announced on Monday that they were going quarterly with Jonah Hex and only drawn by Jordy Bernay, I would be fine with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's how good the book is when he draws it more than anybody else when they work on it. That's and true. If you can only do a couple issues a year, I would totally be behind it. I would say fine. It, you know, I love it every month, but something about the way he draws not just Hex, but the entire environment around them. Mm-hmm. He creates this world with, this, with his art. I'd be fine if they said, we're going to do four issues a year. Because that's all Jordy Bernay could do. Uh, the other side of that being that this story... 
was uh, yes, it was. That's what I was. It was fucked up. It was. It is. It, the, the crazy big-eared pedophile comes out of the bushes like a GI Joe figure. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, what are you doing? Come with me. <laughs> I think, I'm going to go with this guy to catch fish. I, I don't think that's a good idea, blonde kid. That's the last time you see the blonde kid. It was just. It was one of those weird like. Jonah Hex has a problem with kitty rapers, which he should, definitely. And <laughs> it's, it's what the issue was. He was like, they heard about some guy who was real evil, and, and, and Hex was like, I don't care. And they were like, he's, he's got little boys there. And he's like, where is he? So he, like, he goes and he, he exacts terrible, 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 one more, terrible revenge on this, <laughs> on this like super sicko. Yeah. Yes. And it's incredibly cathartic. And there's like a little flashback to his youth about why he's like that. It was great, and Jordy Bernay is obviously great, too. We also had the first issue this week of Ultimate Captain America by Jason Aaron and Ron Garney, the much-anticipated Jason Aaron writing Ultimate Captain America. Controversial. Controversial, indeed. Here's the thing. This looked great. Garney's great. Jason Aaron is a great writer. I'm not debating it. I just didn't like it. Uh, I'm torn. I see what you're saying. First of all, the first thing that struck me is that I looked back. I was like, Garney is doing this, right? Yeah. yeah, because he went with a different like I don't know if this was looser or scratchier. Does himself? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have an anchor, yeah. so that and I'm I'm okay with that. I really like it, but it was really interesting to see that it actually fits with the book really well. I don't like Ultimate Cap. That that's the thing is that Ultimate Cap is not likable, and then and then the other thing is that for some reason, and you guys are the bigger Captain America fans, but when I see whatever is the dude with the flag on his face, nuke or whatever, like I just I just I just tone tone out. I'm like I don't care about this character, like it's all the not- you know the other Captain Americas and things like that, like the other super soldiers, like that that just doesn't interest me at all. And when they had showed that reveal and the dude with the American flag tattooed on his face, I was just like oh, whatever. So. I didn't know who he was, so it wasn't You're not like supposed a- to. Yeah, that's fine. But there, there's an amalgam in the 616. There's a guy with okay. the same thing in the 616, and it's, it doesn't seem too far off. That's what I'm saying. You know? Right, no, but I really enjoyed this. I, I like that this Cap is different, and he's more of a jerk, which is fine because he's not the other Cap. Yeah, no, and, and I'm, I'm fine with that too. And, and I, it was good. Like I, I did enjoy it dis- despite myself, but I don't like the character. It right. doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. But like, And that was the same thing too. Like I like the art. I like Aaron's writing. Mm-hmm. I just didn't enjoy it. You know, like it's I didn't. Nothing, you know, yeah. It's nothing about, but it's, it's, there's nothing about Captain America that I've always liked about Captain America that's in this book. This is something else. Yeah. It happens to have a character named Captain America in a similar uniform. Yeah. Same with Hawkeye. Uh, although I still can't. <laughs> well, at least he uh, stopped crying about his kids. Uh, is that what he does? I, I haven't read the Ultimates. Oh, the Ultimates, yeah. That's what the, that was Jeff Loeb. So, my kids. But, but the whole conceit of this issue is, is the Vietnam era cap. And I think that's interesting. What, oh, yeah, yeah. But Aaron has, has a history of doing Vietnam stories. So, I'll be interested to see. Yeah, what that was like. What, what was a, what was Vietnam era cap like? The, the cover for the next issue was enough to get me to buy the next issue, though. Yeah, that was a good. Yeah, that, that I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll sign up for that. Yeah. So the thing about it though is that like a Vietnam era cap is a really good contrast to Marvel Universe cap, but to this cap doesn't seem like it so much. Yeah. Well, we don't know yet. We haven't seen him yet. Well, I, mean, I, I guess, but tattoo of face, but we don't really know much about him yet. No, I just mean compared to the Steve Rogers character. Right. Sure. Well, th- I mean, this is a miniseries. I'll, I'll give. I mean, I believe in Aaron and Garney enough to give it to give it a go and keep reading it. But like the first one, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. That's all. Mm-hmm. Which I, and which I think is because the character isn't isn't likable. You know. Mm-hmm. But what can you do? So the death throes of the Marvel Cosmic Corner 
Uh, we got get re- get, right. get, re- get reminded of the damage that was done last year. Thanos Imperative Devastation. It's appropriately titled. Yeah, Devastation. Uh, this basically picked up all the, you know, the loose ends that were left over after Thanos Imperative. Actually, I really liked it. I mean, it was Abnet Landing doing what they do great. You And basically what you have is you have uh, Cosmo, the little Russian uh, telepathic space dog, basically following the last wish of Star-Lord Peter Quill for the Guardians of the Galaxy right before he, you know, him and uh, Nova sacrificed themselves to save everyone from Thanos and everything. His last wish was, is like, listen, you know, we were doing the right thing. The Guardians of the Galaxy was the right idea. You need to keep it going. And so this issue is basically the recruiting issue where Cosmo recruits Gladiator, Quasar, Ronan the Accuser, uh, Horseface Thor, and the Silver Surfer. And they de- at, by the end of the book, they decide to form a new team called the Annihilators. That's going to pick up, I guess, in a miniseries, uh, Annihilators number one. And it does end with a Space Knight, which I thought was interesting, because that means Rom can't be far off, which is kind of something I never thought would happen. But or something um, just called Space Knight. Yeah, it could be something called Space Knight. But the thing is, is that while I enjoyed it, and these are these great characters, and it looks like the Marvel Cosmic Universe won't end, it's missing the two things that I loved about the Marvel Cosmic, which is Nova and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And so for me, why, it fe- why, that, why that? Why is that? Why? Why are they going in a new direction? With well, because ob- I mean, obviously the other ones didn't sell enough to keep them going. So right, well, said, what if we call it this? Even third, you know, more lower tier characters will sell better. Silver that, Surfer. That, Silver Surfer's never really been. No, oh, he's an he, Silver Surfer's a, a A or B list. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Put no. a Silver Surfer book. So put a Silver Surfer number one book out. It'll sell, but it won't keep going. Yeah. Well, with the right it team and with the right it's thing, not, I think it's not 1976. Yeah, possibly. But I think I think it would it would sell better than you think. I, I think it would sell very well for a little while, but I don't uh. think that it would keep up because people would – what would happen is there would be like this fever pitch of, oh, Silver Surfer so cool. And then when the people start to read it, go, well, I don't really know anything or care about this character all that much. Eh. That's what I think would happen. Well, I think there's potential there. Unless there was a really great story, then that, and that's entirely possible, but the market doesn't really care about that so I'll much. I'll tell you what, though. If they do do a Silver Surfer story, they shouldn't have this uh, Miguel Sepulveda draw him because I just don't like the way he does it at all. Well, hmm. that wouldn't help. Did you get, the, did you get this issue, Josh, or – no, no. Oh, okay. I, I think I, I just sort of fell off. Yeah, yeah, once I once I knew that it it was done. I don't know. I don't know. I think once that the, the regular series ended, I just the, the wind came out of my sails. You, you, you bailed out thing. when they went to the event miniseries. Yeah, series yeah. Looks yeah. Nice. yeah. And I know that's that's wrong, but I you know sometimes you're you one gotta, of those fans. One of those. Yeah, but, I just lost interest a little bit. It was great. I, it was one of those. I, I I should be I should be able to go back and read it sometime. Yeah. So that. Wow, you know how you could do that. <laughs> if you wanted to go wow. back to those issues, you could a discount comic book service, Josh. They have really? monthly specials up to seventy five percent off, and I know you like savings. I do. I'm very frugal. Seventy five percent off is pretty high. They got forty percent off the major publishers, which would include Marvel, which includes the books you didn't buy, whose names I don't know. We're gonna move on. Flat rate shipping of five ninety five on all U S orders. You can Very buy anything in previews, and nine thousand trade paperbacks are in stock. They got those; those books are in trade. You can get those from DCBS in trade, Josh. Even it should, even it, in should, book it should be noted, the the challenge is still out there. <laughs> Just for 2011, the challenge has not gone away. We'd like you to order all of the trade paperbacks in stock, and you'll get something special. If you do that, <laughs> not from them. <laughs> I'm just listen. I think I can make that promise. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> you can track that jumbo jet that'll just be a, full of your stuff online at dcbservice.com. UPS stock soars this week. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, that would cause my UPS guy to finally murder me. <laughs> we got three trucks here. Oh, you, God. The UPS tip- drama in Brooklyn. I can't stand it. Did you tip your UPS guy at the holidays? No. Okay. Oh, well, that's probably why you didn't get your packages. 
They're probably a T in That's them. That's not why. One got the packages. Believe me, I've been all up in this. I investigate. <laughs> all right, move on, move on. G.I. Joe Origins. G.I. Joe Origins number 23. Uh, David Lapham is killing it. He's killing it just as good as Costa and Gage I were killing like on G.I. Joe Cobra. Better. It's amazing. It's been just this story of this guy and this elaborate number system that Cobra scientists have for ranking people's personalities and the sort of math and the way that it all came together. It was so elegant and so well done. And, and it was just, well, I'm not wrong, Connor. It's fantastic. No, it's, it's, this is the best G.I. Joe book right now. That's so cool. Well, no, it's just a good. I mean, it's, it's just a good. No, it's story. a good book. But but uh, the, there's been three books we've been talking about them the, the whole time, and for most of the time, GI Joe Cobra was the best one by far. But I think GI Joe yeah. Origins right now is, is up above it. I wonder how long this goes on. I'm sure there's a way to check that. But <laughs> I, I like the I like the mystery of coming to the store each week. So right, um, it's been that. really good. Speaking of of really good, Billy the Kid, Ghastly Fiend of London, number four, which is sort of a Billy the Kid versus Jack the Ripper versus Jekyll and Hyde with some Elephant Man. And by, Sherlock Holmes, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Sherlock Holmes is. Well, no, but Holmes, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Amalgam, uh, yeah. Really great. Well, yeah, really, really great. Great ending, great four issue miniseries. But for me, talk about burying the lead. Did you read The Goon back up? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was fantastic. Mexican Jew babies. I it, believe. It, it, it ends with. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. Superhero comics are are for racist pedophiles. Be a man, not a Mexican Jew baby raper. (laughs) Yeah. It was it was like it was like, wow, that kind of went off the rails right there. (laughs) But in like sort of a glorious way. You see, this is this is the this is the Satan sodomy baby side of Eric Powell, like the Uh kind of weird, politically incorrect out there. The last word balloon. It's true. Reading superhero comics leads to loneliness and virginity. The anger and sexual frustration will make you hate your fellow man and horny for kids like them sicko priests. Reading off-kilter books like The Goon and Billy the Kid's All-Time Oddities makes you seem manly and interesting and leads to loads of vagina. Loads. (laughs) And that's how it ends. Well, you know, it would kind of be funny, but I do remember, like, at a certain point, I think earlier this week, Powell was basically bitching on Twitter about superhero books and stuff. And I was like, there's room for everybody, dude. Yeah, sure. No. But, you know, but at the same time, like, it is a crime that these books are not uh, appreciated yeah. more than they oh, are. God, this, yeah, so this, this one was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I, I love Pal's really, art too. I love Pal's art. Yeah, yeah, and Kyle Hotz is the art on the artist on the, on the sort of main feature in this. Great and as it, well. It, it's yeah. it's really perfect. Yeah. Fred lightly. I know, I know, I know. Echo number 27. I just wanted to pick up on this because if you remember last time Echo 26 came out, I freaked out because that last panel. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know who she called. So it's still we still don't know. All right. That doesn't mean anything to me. So that's <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah, but for yeah, those, those reading along at home, you can know how frustrated I am. It picked up at a different point, and, and I was like, ah, I need to know. But again, just amazing. Just Terry Moore is killing it. I, I put this on my best of twenty ten list. Echo is where you're is right. Where it's at. Yeah. When I, I caught up on the two of the last trades this this past year, and they were excellent. Yeah. It's just such a good book. And twenty seven just continues being just as good. Yeah. It never flags. Speaking of twenty seven, twenty seven number two came out. Ron, are you still reading this? Yeah. Because you didn't love your last one so much. Yeah. What did you What did you think? Did I didn't you love this it? one as much. Oh, you, wait, what? I didn't love this one as much still. You didn't love the other one. I know. Uh, it was a whole math thing that happened in this one Yeah. Uh, that I actually I actually really liked. I thought it was sort of fun. It was like listening to an old Wu-Tang album, basically. <laughs> that's an, that's um, an interesting uh, way to describe it. <laughs> have you ever heard that? Have you ever, like, like the first Wu-Tang album is the 36 Chambers, right, which is yeah. 36 Squares and Checkerboard, blah, 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 nine members of the Wu-Tang. Yeah. It's the whole thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of like the whole sort of 
this whole thing being thought out. Like, I know it's not one kind of story, but also there really is this element to this of being a musician that I, that I can, I can relate to that whole, like playing guitar thing. Like there's, there's just like a little thing going on here. And I'm, I'm guessing like people who play an instrument or guitar or something like that are connecting with it just a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, it's cause I can't people. play and that sort of thing. I don't know, but, uh, and I'm reading it kind of like out of resentment cause I wanted it to be that other kind of story. And so I'm uh-huh. just like angrily reading it, but yeah, I mean, it was all right. It wasn't bad. You know, I liked it. I also, I really liked the, the, the production of it, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, like that—that that shape and size, like I could give. You or like take, the golden? You like the golden age size? You do admit it? No, I don't really care about that so much. But I like the the sort of the weight of the paper and the way that the color looks on it and all that. And there's, yeah. there's a nice production in that way. It's um, odd in a week when you had an Alan Davis book that you would say he is not the person who made a comic this week with the least amount of idea what people actually wear. That yeah, that goes to Pierre Gallo. That award. I really enjoy the story more and more with each issue. I think. Jeff Lemire's doing a really good job. He's secretly brought back the thought balloon, which I enjoyed. But uh, the art is really hard to get past in this book. Uh, That's too I, bad. I, I mean, I thought that the first on like the first issue that I read, and I was like, I, I just I can't get it. Like I don't want I want them to look like real people look, and they, they don't look like this. And he wears <laughs> like, skin like, tight jeans and this weird tucked in plaid shirt and this glasses at the end of his nose that look like they're from 1984. Well, maybe it's and, like, timeless. It's timeless now. You know, well, it's not timeless if it's from 1984. It's, <laughs> it's dated. <laughs> he's got like he's got like dress shoes on. It's just weird. Loafers. He's wearing loafers. He's dressed like a kid. He's yeah. dressed like it's it's like a different version of the bad Ultimate Spider-Man hair, haircut, which, oh. which we got over. But yeah. you know, he needs to, he should look like a, he should look like a regular American when you kid. You spend most of the issue dressed in the civilian identity, and the civilian identity is so strange looking that it takes you out of the book with every panel. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. Well, if he's dressing like a kid just in the middle of Kansas, he should probably have an insane clown posse T-shirt on. <laughs> he's a juggalo. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> he should be a juggalo. There's, there's your show. Superboy is a juggalo. He goes. He goes through a phase. He doesn't know if he's Lex or if he's Superman. And he just he gets in. He goes to the juggalo festival. <laughs> I read a whole article about it in Wired. So uh, there was a, there was an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where there was a kid in the high school who was wearing the juggalo paint, and Charlie took him under his wing, and it was like just this idiot kid in the juggalo. <laughs> Face paint. <laughs> I'm gonna pitch that. <laughs> There's your show. Oh, that sounds great. She-Hulk's number three is one of those sad stories that we're we're hearing a lot about in Marvel these days. In that, it's just a wonderful book that is off kilter and and funny and fun and totally canceled in this marketplace. <laughs> it was, I don't I don't know why they ever thought this would have made it as a series. It's too much like Marvel Heroes with a dash of Thor: The Mighty Avenger with. A dash of the uh, Power Girl, the first part of Power Girl, because Ryan Stegman's art much a lot like Amanda Connor's art. But it's fun. It's funny. It's about two characters that most people don't care about, and it's too bad. But if you enjoy not continuity, you know, not grim and gritty stories, then when this trade comes out, you should check it out. She Hulk's has been really, really good. I'm really glad that I went back and got the first issue. After yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about it. And it's, that's too bad. Jimsky likes it for God's sakes. It's really good. Well, there you go. <laughs> and he should know better by now. Well, yeah, is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Ah, uh, there is the books for the weeks from us, but uh, there's 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 some books from you guys that you did reviews. We uh, like to read some of the user reviews out. And the first one comes from Thuj11, or THJ0011. Uh, about who, I, I like Thuj11. Because <laughs> you got to pause for the zeros. Yeah. Who is Jake Ellis? Which is not a question. Issue number one. Well, issue number one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he gave the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five. Pick of the week percentage very high uh, of 7.5%. Said the book hooked me within the first three or four pages by jumping right into an action scene, which is a common comic book thing. I like the idea of showing us an outsider's view of what's happening and then showing us how the events took place. I just scrolled down. 
<laughs> uh, the events took place according to Moore. People have said that this book reminded them of Jason Bourne and the Bourne trilogy, and I can see why. The action scenes are very Bourne-ish. And they make for some entertaining panels. My favorite aspect of the book would have to be the art, more specifically the color. The page where Moore is running into the cathedral was stunning. The contrasting colors in this book work really well. Yeah, this, this was a book, Image Comics published it, and, and a couple of people in the store were looking at it, and then I saw people online talking about it, and, and then I saw like this, you know, a lot of people made it their pick of the week. And so it was, I, uh, I, yeah. I actually meant to get this. I just yeah. think I, I missed it because I had seen an ad here or there, and I thought, yeah. that does look interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't pick title. it up. I'm going to go back and get it. It's the kind of title that made me want to look at it more for some reason. Yeah, great title, really good title. Different kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great name, username coming up. Sinestrol <laughs> or Sinestrol. I like Sinestrol. Okay. He talked about Brightest Day Seventeen. He gave a story a two out of five, and the art a two out of five, living up to his evil trollish name. Pick week percentage was three point nine percent. And Sinestrol says this was the worst issue of Brightest Day so far, which is a bummer considering overall I've enjoyed this series quite a bit. This issue didn't seem to accomplish much of anything. Reused and worn out jokes, hackneyed revelations, and terrible pacing. Connor, do you, you disagree? Do you do, I don't do, agree. You don't agree? Okay, so what? No, it was really good. <laughs> I enjoy uh, Dead. I, I think I'm one of the few people that likes almost all the stories. The Hawkman story is not so much fun. Ugh, they're painful. The, uh, they're painful. The Dead Man stuff's really good. It was really good in this issue. Yep. He's shacked up with Dove. He's human for the first time since he died originally, and so he's he's eating hamburgers all the time for breakfast and. And, mm. uh, and, um, <laughs> and he's sleeping oh, with Dove. Say it slower. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually, I like the Firestorm stuff. I actually, it, it, this was really good. There's a lot of emotional stuff in here. The thing is, I, I don't understand the pacing complaints because this is, again, like 52, paced differently than a normal comic book. Yeah, well, I, but the, the, the thing is, that, I mean, I, I am not as extreme as Sinestrol, but I'm not in 100% agreement with you, Connor. Like, I thought this one was a little rough. Um, I feel as if, like, with this many people, like, the book is spread so thin and bouncing between these stories, it's a hard time to remember what's going on with whatever story it is. And, like, meanwhile, Dead Man is so good, I just want it to be de- about Dead Man. Right. Um, and so I find myself like getting through the Firestorm stuff to get to the Dead Man stuff and all that stuff. But the we big- are certainly getting to the point in the series where they're going to have to start consolidating. Stuff. Yep, totally. But and it looks like you know stuff might be happening because the issue ends with Dead Man's White Lantern ring starting to char- yes, charge. Yeah, I, I think we're yeah. at that point. We're probably at the end of Act Two now. Yeah. And uh, so I think you know I think it it's just it's different. This is the end of Act Two. Well, it's only oh, twenty six issues. God, oh God, it feels like Act One still. Well, you know how well a Dead Man book would sell compared to a Firestorm book? Or, or compared to a Silver, Silver Surfer, Surfer. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Not well. Sell She-Hulk numbers. <laughs> that doesn't fly at the D- at the DC Entertainment <laughs> Not at all. Today. So go to ifanboy.com slash comics and do your pull list and do your reviews every week. We'd love to read what you guys are thinking and liking of the books. Exactly. Another thing that we like is when you help us. Help, helping us, helping you. Uh, listen, uh, iFanboy is, is a listener-supported venture, for the, for the, really, is what it is. And uh, if you listen to the show, you like it. It's, it's a part of your, your routine. It's your thing. You might wonder, how can I help? Well, there's several ways that you can do it, some a little more uh, active, some less. Uh, one of the quickest ways, uh, click on the banners on the site. Those are the people who support us. Uh, support them. Go to iFanboy.com slash Amazon and uh, click on the Powered by Amazon link there, and that will take you into Amazon and anything you buy there. Uh, kicks back to us um and that's you know this is the time of year where you go geez i didn't get any of that stuff i wanted and then you buy it all uh, although the sales have pretty much ended so that sucks uh you can buy shirts we have fear agent shirt um 
Uh, we have some. We have a bunch of those. I don't know. We have some of those left, and we have a couple of. What else do we have? We had some intern shirts left. A couple of those. This this tells you how much Josh pays attention at the meetings. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. We haven't done the show in several weeks. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. I'm tired. What are you going to do? I wear my Fury Agent shirt. I wear it all the time. You should check it out. It's a good shirt. It's by Jerome Pena, who's, yep, who's awesome. Who's, who's blowing up yep. is what he's doing. Uh, and then finally, the the best way, the 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 way that the way that will make us love you the most, to be completely honest, uh, is to become an iFanboy member. This is this is a listener and viewer supported uh, uh, endeavor, and you guys are the ones who 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 keep things running. So you can uh, donate basically uh, at four dollars a month or forty two dollars a year, or ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year, and that that uh, directly contributes to to the running of iFanboy.com, and then. Uh, also, you will be eligible for all sorts of really cool things. Uh, we've got stuff coming up soon. I know there there are piles. There are piles, my friends. I've seen them uh, of stuff that's going to be going out to you guys. Um, so you, you'll be eligible for all. We gave away a lot of stuff last year. We're going to give away a lot more this year. And in addition to that, you, you really are. You can have that sort of peace of mind that, hey, I'm really helping this thing that, that is important to me and that I really like and you want to help stick around. So, so those of you who do, we thank you. And those of you who have been thinking about it, uh, what, a, what a wonderful uh, New Year's resolution to fulfill. That's We're going to give away a co-host spot. Wow. <laughs> you can pay attention at the meetings. Wow. You can pay attention. Well, uh, when there was a meeting? Ron, <laughs> book of the month. Yes, so book of the month, January, starting off on the right foot. Wow. Get, get it out early. I had the wonderful task of doing the first book of the month of 2011. And as I fell prey to last year when I picked Wilson by Dan Klaus, I got a little soft spot when a really good comic creator or, you know, one that's got a you know good pedigree or whatever doesn't do some work for a while and then comes back like I, I pay attention to that and in that example Charles Burns X'd Out was uh, what got my eye and was the book of the month for January published by Pantheon Books for those who don't know who Charles Burns is he's the guy who did Black Hole which was released in issue format over the span of like 11 years and then finally Pantheon collected it all together in one big hardcover chilling, creepy, black and white tale of teenagers in the Pacific Northwest and weird stuff that happens in their town. Really freaky, but totally... Was there a dancing midget? No, there was not a dancing midget. It needed that, though. But it's totally a must-read for that other that other side of the fence of comics. Like, you know, we talk a lot about superhero comics, and we talk a lot about mainstream and Marvel and DC and Image, stuff like that. But there's that whole other corner... You know that kind of you know the 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 wallflowers, the ones at the party that are that are um, amongst themselves talking about how stupid everybody else is. But the, the kind of you know weird kind of alternative you know kind of underground comics or I, I how do you describe that kind of stuff? I mean it's 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 definitely it's interesting to see how the, yeah alternative, alternative and it's actually true. alternative yeah exactly and it's true indie comics true yeah although Pantheon is a random house yeah. is a big no but he but, that's because yeah. Charles Burns is Charles yeah. Burns yeah exactly so this book is interesting because it's oversized and when you look at it, the first thing I thought of was, is like, oh, it looks like a Tintin book, which is uh, intended. This seems to be Charles Burns' The Dark Side of Tintin. What we got is we get introduced to a character named Doug, who uh, has got a tuft of black hair as opposed to Tintin's tuft of blonde hair. And what happens is the book starts off, and it starts off in a fever dream of Doug's, where he is, it's drawn just like Tintin, except that Tintin, uh, the Tintin character has the tuft of black hair, and his name is Nitnit. And instead of having a white dog named Snowy, he has a black cat named Inky. So everything's kind of it's it's familiar but different, and it's just a weird. It really weird, is Tintin. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, and Nit Nit goes into this when the book starts. Goes into this, gets out of bed. He's in his bathrobe, and you, he's got a bandage on his head, so you know something's wrong with him. And he climbs through a hole in his wall, and he goes out to this strange world filled with like lizard people and people speaking like weird alien languages. And he takes up with a topless midget. 
and they go get Chinese food and it fades into the reality and we get woken up to see Doug uh, and Charles Burns change his styles from the cartoony Tintin style to a style that's much more like what he did in Black Hole, his own kind of cartooning style, uh, kind of like a realistic, very Dan Clouse-esque kind of style. And we then go through a flashback of Doug's life as we see what his life was before he presumably got sick and we see his breakup with a previous girlfriend and then you see the girl that he goes after after that point and then it bounces back to the, the fever dream of knit knit and it just really similar in uh the way the black hole was out there really out there and weird and strange i I wrote my review i didn't know what was going on some of the times like that and that's what happens with charles burns like sometimes you just read it and you're just like what the hell was that and this is the first volume in a third in a three volume trilogy so i can only assume that the questions i have or the things i don't understand will play out in later volumes but there's no promise of that it's also <laughs> going to take a several decades uh hopefully not jeez i don't know this was only and, and the thing is a lot of people there's got some criticism that people think it's this is sh- it was short and it was it's only 56 pages but the thing is, is that these pages are beautiful his art is like this is full color whereas black hole was black and white so he's done a lot with the nuance of color and he's u- utilized color in uh, the panel layout so there might be panel that are just solid colors and with text on them mixed in with the artwork and really uh, controls the mood and controls the emotion as the, as we go back in Doug's life and we see what his past was. We try to figure out what's the matter and where things went wrong and why does he have this bandage on his head and, and that sort of thing. But I had so much fun reading it. And at the end of the day, I was just like, oh, man, Charles Burns really is one of the greats. And it's not and it's not meant to be like a making fun of Tintin or it's not meant to be like a meta reference to Tintin like it is just Charles Byrne taking the cultural importance that Tintin has in the world of comics and taking that and then doing something with it and doing his own kind of spin on it which is really kind of fascinating. And and for Tintin fans there's a whole bunch of little easter eggs some actually taking the form of actual eggs throughout the book that you'll recognize like a couple of the panels uh, match right up t- uh, directly to uh, Tintin panels by Hergé the original Tintin artist and you know little little things like that which are neat so uh, for fans of comics fans of alternative comics this is a total must read cool yeah so that was your book of the month X'd out by Charles Byrne check it out and it was only 1995 for this beautiful graphic album it's very much like a European French Belgian comic almost Franco-Belgian Franco-Belgian that's the controversy that a lot of people have. 20 bucks is too much for 56 pages. Yeah, but but it's but they're but they're larger pages, like it's it's big, like it's it's an album size, and honestly, I I got my 20 bucks worth. That's so. that's fair. Yeah. I got to say I I read uh, I read Black Hole, didn't get it. Oh, okay. I just I just I could I was like I don't know what that was. I got to the end of it and I was like yeah. I don't think I liked that. It I don't looked, know. It looked great happened. though. Sure, but yeah. that was a lot of long time to be like, "Oh, so bugs? I don't know. <laughs> Hole in skin? Really? Yeah. I, no, I, I really, like at the end I was like, okay, I guess he's a genius. I don't, I don't. I don't. <laughs> if I don't understand it, it must be true. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. But it was, it was like one of those things like when you're a kid and you listen to an album that's supposed to be amazing, you're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, it's kind of it's like, like, what, like, that. like when you're 15 and someone hands you a Sonic Youth record and you just don't know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. Like, at least that's what happened to me. I was like, Sonic yeah, Youth, no, they're amazing. Listen yeah. to them. Like, it's just noise. And I remember thinking that. I was like, I would kill for a melody here. Yeah, exactly. Because you're killing me. With yep. them, even. Yeah. But, I mean, but to carry to carry the music, you know, analogy, like, now as I'm older, there are albums I listened to when I was young, where now I'm like, oh, my God, these are genius, and oh, I see what I see what's going on. And But when you're a kid, you have no idea what's, what the meaning of it is. So, yeah. I read that when I was 32, so... <laughs> Um, so when you're 50, you'll be ready. And I've talked to other people. It's not just me. No, I, yeah, I, no, yeah. But right, anyway, so skipping emails this week because we're running long. We have the book of the month. We're gonna go right to voicemails, and our first voicemail has joined the club. 
Hey, iFanboy. This is Ben from Austin, Texas. And this is, I know I've passed a couple of voicemails. I've sent a couple of silly ones. Uh, but this one's more serious. Uh, I know none of y'all are biggest fans of JMS, uh, especially the, his recent run with Superman. But I'm one of his big. I'm one of his bigger fans of Love Rising Stars. I even enjoyed his run in Spider-Man, despite that I know y'all mainly hated it. But lately, especially with his uh, how he departs from books and how he just leaves, and now he's done from comics, I feel kind of burned, and I feel kind of like my idol has abandoned something that I've truly enjoyed, and now I'm never going to get to see that again. So my question really goes all this. Have you ever had a writer, it doesn't, or, or have you ever had a comics writer or, or a particular idol uh, in comics or even outside of comics seem like a prick and just leave something that you've enjoyed for a long time and have you felt burned by them and just didn't look at them the same way? Uh, hope that hope that hope that's clear. Thank y'all. Y'all keep doing up the great work. Now, okay, I'm I'm not going so far to call him a prick. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I don't think that that's fair. I don't. And and also, like, if a guy leaves a project, I mean, they can leave a project. So I I, I can't say there's anybody that I've been angry about. But I, I mean, the thing is, you're asking, is there is there anybody who has done this? And that I don't trust, I suppose, in that sort of like with like it's it's Straczynski. Like people don't get like on the site. Like I've got this reputation of oh that guy just hates him. I don't. I used to be a fan yeah. of Straczynski. I was it's a big Vince fan. Of, and it, the thing is, this has happened over and over and over and over again to the point where it's a past the point where it, it's sort of like a joke. And I, listen, there's a reality here. The the guy has had health problems, whatever, you know. But you know, fool me once, you know, fool me eight times. Yeah. But now, like, it's comedic how many times this has happened. And, and, I mean, over time, I've also grown to not really enjoy his work. I, I find it sanctimonious. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I do. I find it very heavy-handed for the most part. It's not that he can't be good. It's not that he hasn't done good stuff because he has. Clearly, um, you, you picked this issue as the best issue of the year. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, I do get the sense that he'll make these commitments to this stuff, and, and he's got either other stuff going on. You know, like he wrote a movie that was for, up for an Oscar last year. So, you know, what's going to pay more? What's going to be more important to do? You know, he's making commitments that he's not he's not sticking with. You know, and when he gets sick or if he can't deal with something like that, he's going to obviously focus on the stuff that has more weight to it. I mean, I, I mean, that's really the thing where you get into dangerous territory when you believe you have some sort of personal connection with the people doing this work. Yes, and th- and that's where it gets crazy. And like my, you know, like you say, are there any other people who've disappointed you? Luckily for me, not so much in the comic industry. And I think that it's the trust and it's the the disappointment factor, Josh, that, that you mentioned on. But like I've seen this in. You know, and I've seen this in sports. I've seen this in music, like sports, like being a Met fan, going through the shit D- Dwight Gooden put and D- and Dallas Strawberry put us through in the late '80s was like not fun. You know, because these are the guys who were the future of our franchise, and you knew everyone knew there was a drug problem. Everyone knew there was a drug problem, and like and it, and like and then you, oh, he got arrested again. You know, and it went all through the 90s. Like, I knew people who were diehard Dwight Gooden fans, and to hear the sadness in their voice when they heard that Dwight Gooden got arrested again, it was like this disappointment. And it's just like, oh, you know, and the problem was is that they put too much of a personal connection with them. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been burned by it as well. I, I mean, my, my classic anecdote is on the music side of things, where when I was a teenager, I was an idealistic youth, and I was, you know, on the, the punk scene, and, and I was one of the straight-edge kids, and we all had identity, and we believed in these guys, and one of the guys, uh, one of the idols and, and originators of that scene, I had the opportunity to interview, and he gets off the bus carrying a six-pack of beer, and I completely was shattered. And I was, you know, and, th- and that's when I realized I'm like, you can't, you know, like it's not fair of me to put any sort you of. You lived the growing pains episode. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we had a great conversation. Poster off your wall. 
Yeah. <laughs> cry until Alan Thicke came and told you about life. No, no, no. We ended up actually we ended up having a great conversation, and he's a great and his music and his music never changed. You know what I mean? Like you know, like it, that's the thing is like it made me realize that you can't you can't put all your faith in people basically. <laughs> Like, yeah, but bring it back to comics. I think mostly it tends to happen for me more with, with artists yeah. who they'll announce this artist that I really like is doing a book, and I'll go yay, and then he'll be on for two issues, and then he'll go to another book, yeah. and then for, for me it's less about writers. I mean, JMS has been someone we've been dealing with for ten plus years. I mean, yeah. Kevin Smith originated it in, ten years ago when he, when yeah, he was on. Kevin Smith's book. actually both in film and otherwise. Like, yeah. I look, I look at like where he was in my mind when it first started, and where he is now, and it's just like, ugh, yeah, that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just you can't get too caught up in. You just gotta take it, take it for what we it's don't worth. Take yeah. it personally, like yeah. Josh doesn't hate JMS the person. He just it's doesn't know, know the guy. I don't know them, so yeah. I would call the prick for leaving a book. Yeah. No. All right, our next question's got a question that Josh was asking himself recently. Hey, uh, fanboys, this is Ed from New Jersey. Uh, username Ed at two o nine AF. I got a quick question. I was on Amazon the other day and it recommended me this book, the Acme Novelty Library, and upon doing a a little more research, I still have no idea what's going on with it. Um, it's described as an experiment. It seems like there's been more than 20 collections. It's been going on for a couple of years. Uh, there's a story about the smartest kid alive. There's a story about some guy named Rusty Brown. If you could uh, help me out with this, it seems really interesting. I just need to know a little bit more about it. Thanks. I feel like I just read this on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. One of you knows Josh. Is this a plant? Wait a minute. <laughs> it is not, but it is appropriate. So uh I'm I'm I've been aware of Chris Ware. I've known him for a while. I've read Jimmy Corgan's Smartest Kid on Earth. We did a show on it. We talked about it. And I know of Acme Novelty Library. But recently I had been seeing the newest volume, which I believe is number twenty. And for whatever reason, I just I it's an attractive book and I'm like, I feel like I want to read that. So I asked on Twitter the other day, can I read that? Because I know it's sort of an ongoing but doesn't really doesn't matter if you read the ones before it or not. Basically, Chris Ware works in this way that he just puts out these collections of the story that he works on in the form of Acme Novel, Novelty Library. They come out in these hardcovers and they are loosely they're connected sort of. There is a narrative, but the consensus is that you could go read the newest one, which is like blue and it says lint on the front. You could just read that. And if you'd read the ones before it, you'll get more out of it apparently, but you can go ahead and enjoy it now if it's something you've been thinking about. It's. Like, I mean. I mean. It's. It's kind of like. I always looked at it like a. Like an anthology, but even though there's stuff that carries through from issue to issue. Apparently, like the last four have been sort of one kind of project. Yeah. Yeah. Like themed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Twenty of them. That is amazing, by the way. Yeah, it really is because the, the 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 production of it is mm-hmm. is uh, is beautiful. Yeah. Well, the, that's what I'm saying. Like literally, like. Just the book itself, the package. I was like, I don't. Know, I want to read that. I don't know what it. I, it says lint on the cover. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't care, but I'm. I'm curious. Yeah, um, it looks great. And, you know, you hear good things about it, but they're all always sort of vague. They don't really say what they are. So yeah. Um. Yeah. Just get that one, or just go get Jimmy Corrigan if you're curious. We did a show about that. You can watch that from recently, and see if it looks like the kind of thing you might like. He's a master. Yeah. Of design, at least. Absolutely. So uh, if you have any questions, you can call us and uh, leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And you can also send an email. We didn't have any emails this week, but we'll get back to them next week. So you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. We always love to hear from you all. Uh, Ron, I, 
until I saw this in the script, I forgot that there was a Don't Miss podcast. Yeah, I know. We've been busy. It's been busy. So uh, don't I Fanboy Don't Miss, that's our other podcast, which you can subscribe to in iTunes. Comes out every Monday, usually with a interview with a creator about a book that's coming out. Uh, coming out of the holidays, it's busy time at iFanboy HQ, so there's no Don't Miss this coming Monday, but we'll be back next week, so definitely make sure you subscribe to it. We're going to have a great year of interviews, so check out iFanboy Don't Miss. Awesome. If you're listening to this show on the day it comes out, which is Sunday, then you yesterday was the 10th anniversary of iFanboy. No. Really? Yes. Can you believe it? The 10th Holy. anniversary was January 8th. So if you listen to this, this is the 10th anniversary week. We talked about it a little bit on iFanboy.com, but to celebrate, really, we're going to have a party, and we're going to do a live show January 28th in Brooklyn. So if you're in New York or in the area, you want to come down, January 28th at Bergen Street Comics. 8 p.m. is the start time of the show. Get there a little early if you want to get a chair. There's going to be some free drinks. We're going to go out to a bar afterwards. It'll be fun. There's going to be giveaways and prizes, and there's going to be a couple of special guests, people you may know from the show. It's going to be a fun time. Really? So come wow. On, come this, is, this is all news to me. This is awesome. We're coming around January 28th in New York. We'll be there in Brooklyn, Burger Street Comics. All the information is at ifanboy.com. There's a red post at the top talking about the 10th anniversary and also the party. So check that out. It's going to be a star-studded evening. We're working on fun stuff to make it a special for everybody who comes out because we know it's cold in January in New York. I'm talking to Thomas Jane's agent. <laughs> listen, um, listen. <laughs> I don't know if we can afford the rider, but... Uh, you joke, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. So come, come by, say hi. It'll be fun. Get as many people, We'd like to get as many, many people as possible to come to the store, come fill the store up. We'd like to have an audience. Yep. And then we'll hang out afterwards. It'll be good. Ten, hi, I'm Tom. Ten I'm years. Tom. Ten <laughs> years. Let's not talk about it. Wow. Jesus. So 10 years of iFanboy.com, and you can check out all the wonderfulness at iFanboy.com by going on your web browser and typing in iFanboy.com, and there you can read my Pick of the Week review as well as my Book of the Month review. Wow, it was just all me week, wasn't it? Um, me, 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 me. And this week, we said goodbye to 2010. Some people like to do that before New Year's. We wait till after New Year's because we figure they're, you know... Well, there's one more week. So yeah, exactly. All we had to finish. We yeah. had to make sure we had everything. Yeah, what exactly. We, we what if something amazing came out that last week? Some some, <laughs> some kind never. of book we never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it was a great week at iFanboy with a ton of great content. If you didn't get a chance to go read, go back and read all of our bests and worst lists of 2010 and other lookbacks of 2010, it was really – I think we had some of the most unique perspective on the past year than the other comic sites. I might be biased, but that's just me. So go to iFanboy.com and check out all that great stuff there. We also do a video show. We took this past week off because of the new year. So there was no we video. Take it off, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but we'll be back this Wednesday, and we'll be taking a look at the the work retrospective of Jim Lee, uh, DC publisher. Uh, we'll be, who is that? I don't know. Stanley's nephew. Um, uh, I think so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we'll be looking at the work of Jim Lee on the video show this coming Wednesday. Stan Lee is Korean. <laughs> you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com, which is aptly named, or you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Uh, like we said many times, keep it brief as you can. Leave, make sure you leave your name, and other than that, go nuts. But if you write a giant essay, well, you might get it published on the website, so that works too, I guess. <laughs> and fine. finally, if you like the show, write a review on iTunes. Make that your 2011 resolution to just run over to iTunes real quick, drop a quick review for us that really we really appreciate it for the video show for this show for the don't miss show it really helps even better than that is to tell your mom yeah like moms. mom's like us tell your mom about our show she'll be like what the he- what 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 <laughs> but do it anyway that's hello that's, who is yeah, this yeah. hello all right who is this mom <laughs> comic books so as we trudge into year number 11 of ifanboy uh we thank everybody for listening and we look forward to another great year and so until next week i'm ron I'm Connor. <laughs> I am Joshua Athington Hartfordshire the third Earl of Westfordshire. Now you're just making that up. 
No, it's true. Oh, okay. If you really are, you really could have helped out money wise in the past. Yeah, I know. Oh, where, where were you? Where? <laughs> our, our, uh, we've been broke since the whole surf thing went away. <laughs> Who knew?